Good morning, everybody. Sure is a blessing to, to be with you today. Uh, I was just sitting here thinking, what an adventure it is serving the Lord. Uh, <laughs> sitting here in a, in a place like this, listening to music like that as it glorifies the Lord. Uh, just being in, 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 in such a, a comfortable place, in such a nice place. I, I, get to, I get to minister to you today. I get to open God's Word, and, and the way that Paul would say it is, is impart some spiritual gift unto you so that I could have fruit among you also. Um, and, and yet I also get to serve the Lord in some of the most difficult places on earth. Uh, Brother Gilmore and I have, uh, have trudged through the jungles of South America together. We were in, uh, we were in Ecuador together. At one point, that was a fun trip, wasn't it, brother? It wasn't exactly the Hyatt place uh, that, that we were staying at out there, but, uh, but it was a blessing. It was wonderful. And, and I just, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I can't, it, it boggles my mind. Every once in a while, I let myself think about it and dwell on it. What I get to see, what I get to do, uh, because, I, because I surrendered to the Lord, and, and I told him, you can take me anywhere you want me to go. You can send me anywhere that you want me. You can use me any way that you want me to. And, uh, and I, I just, I get to see the wonders of, of the Lord uh, all around the place. Some of you uh, will be coming to the boot camp this summer, and I will be dressed quite differently, and you will be dressed quite differently, and I will be mean, uh, <laughs> because I will be teaching you things that can help you to survive in some of the worst parts of, of the earth, and it will be an entirely different setting, uh, and, and yet I, I will have the, the honor of being able to invest in, in some of your lives, and and I'm just I'm thrilled with what it is that God has, has called me to do, what he's allowed me to do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get something out of the way first. Uh, some of you are eagle-eyed, and you've noticed my unusual footwear. <clears throat> and then some of you are a little more eagle-eyed, and, and you've caught what's going on right here. And uh, I, I've, I've decided uh, generally to just go ahead and get that out of the way and explain that to everybody, because otherwise it's just kind of in your mind going, What? is up with him. Uh, that is, that is, uh, I'll give you a look here. There you go. <laughs> uh, isn't that beautiful? Uh, you can't say it's not because the Bible says my feet are beautiful. It says so. Okay. These feet have taken the gospel onto the mountains and they've taken the gospel and they've proclaimed good tidings. So you have to call them beautiful. I'm sorry, whether you like it or not. Uh, that's a birthmark. I was born with it. Um, not many in here are old enough to remember Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, but, but those of us that, that are, he had one of those on his forehead. looked like a purple map on his head, but he didn't have all of the extra stuff going on that mine has going on, the, the nodules and, and, uh, and everything. It, uh, it at times does break open, it gets painful, and it gets inflamed. And when it does, I just cannot put it into a sock and, and put a shoe on it. It just, it, it just uh, is... is quite excruciating. And, and so I end up uh, just looking ridiculous, but that's okay. Uh, I, I, don't mind, I don't mind looking ridiculous. Uh, so uh, just go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1. So I, I want us to see the, the biblical foundation. I'm going to share with you a testimony 
of, uh, of, of what's going on in Uganda, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled to do that. I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, Brother Gilmore invited me to come do this and, and uh, give me the opportunity to, uh, to share with you. But I want you to understand the biblical foundation, what, what this is coming out of. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 5, gives us the most succinct definition of missions you will ever find. Romans chapter 1 verse 5 says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. You see those words? Obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. That's missions. I've never come across a more succinct definition of missions anywhere. Now, you can't, you can't take a concordance and go to the M's if you're still using a paper concordance. You can't go over to the M's and find the word missionary, and you can't find the word missions. But you can find missions in the Bible. You, you can find the subject in the Bible. And, and this obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, that's what it's about. That's what missions is about. That's what my life is about. I want to see obedience to the faith, and I want to see it among all nations, and I want to see it for his name. That's what missions is about. Now, he told us here that he gave us something for that. We've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what was the point of those guys called apostle? What's the point? What, what, why are they in there? And the answer is missions. You cannot find out God's definition of missions by looking up the word missions in the Bible. And that's why among so many Baptist churches, we have such a broad range of definition of missions and such a broad range of definition of missionary. The word is not profitable for instruction because it's not scripture. It's not a scriptural word, missionary. So if you want to know what God thinks about missions, he just gave us the key to unlock that mystery. In Romans 1.5, the key is apostleship. If you study Everything the Bible says about the apostles, you will find out what God wants us to know about missions. If you want to know, how do you get the gospel into the closed world, in, into the dark places of the earth? We're, we're doing okay sending missionaries into places where the gospel already is. And we can send people to go and live and stay there for the rest of their life and, and, and serve in that area. And God calls people to do that. But we're not doing so well in, in the reaching the closed countries or the difficult parts of, of the earth. Nearly half the world has never heard the name of Jesus and is not going to hear the name of Jesus because we keep doing what we've been doing. And if we keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to always get the same result that we've always gotten. But God showed us how to reach the unreached world. Do you realize that in the first century, all countries were closed countries? All of them. They were all closed countries. They were all hostile to the gospel. Which is why you will not find an apostle that had the luxury of going somewhere and staying. You will not find a missionary in the Bible that had the luxury of leaving, going, being sent out, and staying somewhere for the rest of their life. Such a missionary does not exist in the New Testament. Why? Because the whole world was made up of closed countries. The correct biblical method for getting the gospel into the unreached parts of the earth is to do it by missionary journey. And we already know this on a certain level. If you want to study missions, you have to study Paul's missionary 
journeys. We know that. Not Paul's missionary stayings. He didn't get to stay anywhere. Two years was, was by far the, the exemption when he, when he spent a, a two-year stretch in, in Ephesus. But for the most part, you're talking two weeks, two months that he would be in an area before moving on. But here's the key. They moved on, but they never abandoned. So Paul is starting churches in multiple places simultaneously. Anybody who's in church planning can tell you that if you start a church by moving somewhere with your whole family and staying there and working among those people and building the church up and training a replacement, a national pastor, and then ordaining him before moving on to do it again somewhere else takes about a decade, give or take. That's general consensus. Everybody knows that. It takes about a decade. If Paul had done it that way, he'd have started about three churches. He only had about three decades to work. He worked far, far more efficiently than that because he didn't stay and refuse to move on until the place was well prepared. He moved on quickly, but he did not abandon. And he came back and and you say, you know, if he had just stayed in Corinth, Corinth would have been a much more doctrinally sound church. I'll grant you that. That's true. But he also wouldn't have started all the other churches that he was starting And he didn't abandon Corinth. He sent Titus there. He sent Timothy there. He asked Apollos to go there. He wrote them letters. He came back himself. He didn't abandon them. But he had too much ground to cover to spend a decade in Corinth. So so this idea of mobile missions, it's, it's biblical. It comes from the Bible. If we want to reach the unreached peoples, we need to do it with mobile missions. We need to do it with missionary journeys. I spent 10 years in the Peruvian jungle with my family. We lived for 10 years in the Peruvian jungle and and taking trips, expeditions along the the Brazilian border, going after uncontacted and unreached people groups uh, in in that area. And then God began to move me into into other areas of the world. And then he led us to be based out of the states here and continue to travel worldwide. And and that's that's what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm working simultaneously in multiple countries of the world. Can you imagine what Paul would have done with jet planes? I mean, if he'd have had jet planes and he'd have had four-wheel drive trucks and he'd have had outboard motors on, on, the, on the ships and, and the boats, I mean, just can you imagine how much ground he would have covered? We, we need to be trying to emulate that. We need to be trying to, to apply those principles to, to missions today. So back in 2019, I took a trip to Togo, Africa, uh, to preach in a, in a national pastor's conference there. And, and that very much falls under the purview of, of my ministry, what it is that God has, has called me to do. The heart of my ministry, the, the center of the bullseye, if you picture a bullseye, the center of the bullseye is to take the gospel to those who had never heard it before. That's, that's the heart of my calling. That's what I am all about. It's what I was made for. But, but there are some more rings on that, on that bullseye, on, on that target. And, and it's all good. <laughs> what I'm doing here today I'm not off the field. In the Bible, the field is the world. The concept that a missionary has a specific field, just a single country or or a single city in a foreign country, utterly extra biblical. When we say, what's your field, and and you name a city or a country, okay, that's modern language. That's how we communicate. I know what you mean. You know what I mean when we say that. But that is extra biblical. In the Bible, the field is always the world. I can't leave the field. I could stop working, 
but I cannot leave the field. So, so today, I'm a missionary to Menominee. Today, that's, that's what I'm doing today, is, is, is I'm investing in you, and, and this is a part of my job. Paul, as he traveled, sometimes he was in churches that he established. Sometimes he was in churches he did not establish. He wrote to the Romans. He didn't start the church at Rome. Had nothing to do with starting the church at Rome. But he wrote to the Romans and, and, and he said, I have longed to come and see you. In, in verse 11 of chapter 1, we're already right there. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And he goes on, and in, verse, in chapter 15, he comes back to that subject, and he says, no, seriously, I have wanted to come there for a really long time, but I've had to preach the gospel out here where Christ wasn't named first. Now, though, Christ has been preached in this entire region, and I'm looking at a map. And I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to preach the gospel in Spain. And I can just see Paul hunched over a map by candlelight. And he's looking at this map and he goes, okay, I'm here. And Spain's over here. Looky there. Look what's between me and Spain. That's Rome. Oh, man, for years I've wanted to go to Rome and preach to them and have some fruit among them also. Why? They're a well-established church. He had nothing to do with starting that church. It's a part of his job. As a missionary, it's a part of his job to, to have fruit among established churches and, and to try to share things with them. And, and it's, it's, it's just it's how it works. So I was in Togo back in 2019 to preach a national pastor's conference and, and to get to invest in, in all of these preachers who are going to go back to their congregations and take the doctrine that I've taught them and take those in, into those areas. The, the impact there is just incredible. So I had that opportunity. I could not pass it up. But for a little while at that point, I had been praying for the pygmies in, in the Congo jungle. I had found out that there are uncontacted groups of pygmies. Pygmy is not one tribe. There are multiple tribes of pygmies. Um, and I'd found out that there are some uncontacted tribes of pygmies deep in the Congo jungle. And that every expedition, both, both ministry uh, missionary and secular, any expedition that has ever been attempted to make it into that territory has failed. Either everybody died or enough people got sick that they all left or half of them died and the rest of them left, but nobody's made it into that territory. And so with the lessons that God has taught me about indigenous missions and, and, and about traveling and, and working among native people groups, one of the things that I've learned, and Gilmore is one of the men that have, have taught me some of these things, that, that it's better if you can have somebody of near culture make the contact, then somebody of, of like the furthest possible type of culture make the contact. So ideally, plan A was if I could get into the region of the Congo and I could find pygmy believers in, in churches that are out of the jungle and that have been contacted and, and have established churches, if I could find them and I could go and I could preach to them and I could inspire them to go and, and make an expedition deep into the jungle to reach their unreached brothers... That's plan A. That's, that's the best case scenario. If I can go there. Now, I, I, I would love the idea of, of the glory, of getting to be the guy who comes struggling through the vines and, and sees the people there and gets to preach the gospel to them. I mean, yeah, I, I want that. God knows I am up for that. But I also had to lay that idea on the altar and say, okay, because I, I, I truly have risked my life. I've, I've shed blood. I have, I have almost killed myself in attempts like that, trying to, to reach people. I, I, re I really have. I've put a lot in, into trying to reach people like that. 
But then if God uses somebody else to make that contact, God makes choice among us. Well, that's okay. I'm just, I'm his servant. He can use me any way he wants to. And, and so if he uses my struggles, and he has in the past, if he uses my struggles to do this to inspire people of a nearer culture to go and make the contact, all the better. And if I realize that that's how he's working and I just get on board with that program, then, then I can go and I can preach to these people and I can, I can say, look, I will go if you won't go. I will risk my life to go, to go after these people, but, but you ought to go. You have the gospel. You've escaped and they don't know him. They're dying and they're going to hell without him. What will you do? So that was plan A. But to even do that, first of all, I had to find some churches of pygmy believers, right? So I'm going to be in Togo. I figure that's, you know, at least on the right side of the planet. Uh, <laughs> I, could, I could take a trip. It's still a long, a long trip, but I could take a trip from there. Uh, I had, in my research, I had found out that the best way to get into this area would be to fly into Uganda and then go to the border of Congo. And, and that would be much better than flying into Kinshasa in, in, uh, in Congo and trying to get all the way across Congo. There's no infrastructure. It's just you may as well fly to Australia. Then, and, and try to reach it. It's just it's not going to work. So, so I thought, okay, I can, I can get in touch with some friends that I know in Uganda, and, and we can work out trying to get me to that area. I can scout out and at least find out where the churches are. Possibly, I have about a week that, that I could be there. Uh, possibly, I could find a church and just go ahead and, and preach to them there. Um, but then there's plan B, because very often when you find people of a near culture that have, that have somebody who is somewhat related to them, but they're uncontacted and they're deep in a, in a dangerous area, very often the reason these people haven't been reached yet is because of fear. People are afraid of them or people are afraid of the terrain. They're afraid of the area uh, going in there, and that's why they've remained uncontacted and unreached. So often you can go and you can preach to somebody, hey, you have the gospel. You ought to go into one of the most dangerous places of the earth to take the gospel of these other people, and they go, yeah, no, that's, that's not me. I'll pray for them, but I'm not going. Okay, so plan B is, what if we go with you? Me and my brother-in-law, Josh Martin, he, he's, he's traveled with me all around the world, and, and we've gone in, we've go, we go into the most difficult parts of the earth. And, and so the plan B would be, what if, what if you don't want to go, but what if, what if we go and you go with us, and, and you be our guides through this jungle? You, know what, you might not know that part of the jungle, but you know the jungle better than we do in this part of the world. And, and so you could go, and, and maybe if, there, if the language is close enough, you could translate for us. Uh, and, and so that's plan B. Plan C, of course, is if, if they just absolutely won't do anything at all, then we've got to start making plans to take the trip just ourselves and, and go in there and, and try to reach these people. So I finish up the, the pastor's conference in Togo. I fly down to Uganda. This is back in 2019. I fly into Uganda, and we take a trip out, uh, spoke to the missionary. He had asked around, and he found out there's a pygmy village uh, near the, the border of, of the Congo. And so we go, we go out there, and on our way out there, it's a bit of a journey. On our way out there, we're talking to some Ugandan believers, and what we found out broke my heart. I assumed we were going to find believers among the pygmies, because it's an evangelized part of the world there in Uganda. What I found out is nobody has bothered to take the gospel even to the pygmies who are out of the jungle. Nobody cares. I was standing there talking to a Ugandan national preacher, a very well-educated man. He has a higher college degree than I do. 
I'm talking to this pastor, and he says, what are you doing? I said, well, we're, we're going out to the pygmies. And, and he goes, why? I said, to take them to the gospel. He goes, why? They wouldn't be able to understand. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, oh, those people are animals. They wouldn't be able to comprehend. I'm not a violent man, but I wanted to punch him. I, I bit my tongue three or four times trying to come up with a more appropriate response. That one won't work. No, that one won't work. No. Hmm. What I settled on was I said, well, brother, all I can say is I'm glad that a few generations ago when Europe had the gospel and there was a debate as to whether your people would understand or not, I'm glad that the people of your opinion lost the debate because you clearly understand. I said, I haven't. He goes, have you met the pygmies? I said, no, not yet. He goes, when you meet them, you'll understand. I'm pretty sure he's never met them. Because now I have met them. I spent quite a bit of time with them. And I found what I expected to find, what I found everywhere I've traveled in the world. And that is that there are people. And people are people everywhere you go. We made it into the village there. We were introduced to the king, King Inzito. He's about this tall. Uh, <clears throat> king, king Inzito, just, just the neatest guy. Wonderful sense of humor. Great storyteller. Uh, and we're introduced to him. He invites us to speak. He doesn't know why we're there. He's just, we're just white guys who showed up. And so he invites us, the village all gathered together, and he, he invites us to speak. And I stood up, and I had the honor of, as far as I know, being the first to ever preach the gospel there. I started in Genesis. I figured they, they probably don't know anything at all, so I started with creation. I preached quickly. In about an hour, probably, I, I preached the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. But what I started out with, is, as I told him this, the king, as, as he got up and he introduced us, he actually told us, he goes, he goes, we know people think we're animals, but we're not animals. We're, we're like everybody else. He actually said that. So I got up and I, and I told the people, I said, I, I know you're not animals. I said, I'm a missionary. I, I, I travel. I said, what that means is, because they don't know the word missionary. I said, what that means is I'm a messenger of God's word, the creator. He sent me to travel and take his word to people. And he's allowed me to travel all over the world. I've, I've been in Asia. I've been in Europe. I've, I've been in, in all over Africa. I've been all over South America and North America. I told him I've seen just about every kind of people that there is. I've seen tall people and short people and, and big people and skinny people and, and dark people and light-skinned people. I said, you know what I found everywhere I've gone? I found drunks. And they're looking at each other. <clears throat> yeah. I found people who are unfaithful to each other. They're broken each other's hearts. They're kind of looking around. I found liars. Everywhere I've gone, it doesn't matter what color you are, what size you are, what shape you are. I've, I've found just people are bad. Do you want to know why that is? And I took him to the Garden of Eden. And I explained, I said, you are humans, just like me, which means you're a sinner, just like me. And man, they were, they were with me. They were eating it up. They were, they'd never heard anybody speak to them like this before. So there's a great open door. These people are listening, taking that in for the very first time. I left, and I planned on returning just as soon as possible the next spring, which was the spring of 2020. 
So the entire world shut down at that point, and I was not able to return until just recently. Last month, I was there. Do we have those pictures? Are they ready? I want to show you this place. I want to show you just, just a few pictures of these people and explain. That's the king in the red shirt right there in Zito. He's the king of the Batwa tribe. The entire Batwa tribe in, in all of Uganda and, and part of, of Congo, he is, he is the head of, of that entire tribe. And God just happened to take us to the one village that he lives in. Um, that, that was significant. Uh, so this is the meeting structure they built before. Uh, let's stay on this picture for a moment. When they heard that I was coming back, uh, the, the, the missionary that lives in the country, he came back, he told them I was coming back, that I was going to spend a little over two weeks with them and, and preach God's word to them. Uh, they, they went and they built this. The missionary supplied the tarp, uh, but, but they, they built this as a meeting place so that we could get together and I could preach the word to them. Uh, this group right here, let's go to, to the next picture now. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, putting the tarp on. That's, that's missionary Matt Stensis uh, there. And, uh, and the young man next to him, uh, the, the tall white guy, and it was, let's go back to that other picture right there. That's, uh, that's Michael. He's a young man out of my home church, and I'm training him. I'm taking him with me around the world. I'm training him to do what it is that, that I do. Um, and, and so he was with me on, on this trip. And then uh, next picture, if I remember right, all right, that's them still working on it. I think there's one more picture. All right. Let's go back to that group picture then. Oh, yeah, I forgot I sent that one. Um, so uh, this is obviously during, during some of the, the speaking. Let's go back to the, the next picture, I think it was, the, the one with the big group. Um, that's a group right there. That's a group, most of these people, obviously not the, the babies being, being held there. This is a group, they got saved that day. And, and everyone who made a profession of Christ, uh, they, they, they wanted us to, to record it. They wanted us to take a picture. They all came over to, to this side, so they were, they were getting ready. The actual picture was taken with a better camera than, than mine, but I just snapped a picture while they were, while they were getting ready with, with, uh, with my phone here. But um, here's what I did. I took them to Hebrews chapter 6. Let's quickly turn over there. I want to tell you what it is that, that God did there. Brother Matt Stensis had returned a couple of times during, uh, during the two years that it took me to, to get there. He had followed up preaching the gospel. They had had a few make a profession of faith. Um, and I, I, I honestly, there's no way for me to know if, if they did get saved or if they did not get saved. What I do know is that the king was one of those who had made a profession of faith. But on this day, the day of, of that picture right there, he's the one in the red holding the little baby Walking, uh, walking up there. When we gave an invitation that day, I preached for days and I did not give an invitation. I, I preached for days. And, and what I would do is I would preach about two hours in the morning and then we'd have an hour and a half discipleship session in one of the men's houses. And then I would preach about two hours in, in the afternoon. I did this every day uh, for two and a half weeks. And I preached for several days without giving an invitation. I wanted them to understand I didn't want them to just respond to something that they thought I was doing. Um, and on this day, I, I, I knew it was the day to, to finally ask, you know, okay, are any of you at the point where you realize you need Christ and, and you are a sinner and you realize that when he died, he died for you and that he rose again and he's the only one that can save you? 
Or, or you, do you realize that yet? So we had several of them stand up. And the king was one of them. And I realized, okay, now he's one that's already made a profession of faith. So we told him, like, you don't ever do this again. This is a one-time thing. When, when you cry out to the Lord, you get saved. You are born again. And that's a one-time thing. And we've already preached that. We've already explained that multiple times at this point. And so the king, the king stepped forward and he said, I want to say, he goes, some of us, we, we did make a profession of faith with Brother Matt before. And he explained the gospel to us and we thought we understood. He goes, but all I can say is, I now really understand what it is that Jesus did for me. I didn't really understand then. I wasn't, I wasn't lying. But over these last few days hearing, hearing the preaching, he goes, now I really understand what it is that he did for me. And, and I, I, I want him to save me. I want him to forgive me. And so uh, this, this group right here was uh, kind of the, the first fruits on, uh, of this trip. Um, we had, throughout the, the rest of the weeks, we had several more saved. At the end, we had 30 that had made a profession of faith, and 22 were baptized. Uh, we'd, we'd all hike down. There's a little river not too far from, from there, and we'd all hike down to, to the river, and we baptized. We had three different baptismal services uh, just as, as people got saved. We, we went down and, uh, and, and did that. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's the, the baptismal service, uh, one of the baptismal services. This river was, was too low to baptize in, so, so they worked uh, quite a bit building up rocks and, and piling a bunch of grass and everything to get that deep enough to, uh, to baptize. Uh, are there any more pictures? Have I, have I missed anything here? Um, yep, that was, that was as they were getting it ready uh, there to, to baptize. Some more of it as they're working to, to get it ready. Um, oh, that's where we ate lunch every day. There's, there's Michael uh, right there that was with me, and, uh, and there's Julius there in the middle is, is one of the, the Batois, and, uh, and then Brother uh, Del Gracious there in the, in the black T-shirt. He was a translator for me. And uh, that man back there on the sewing machine, that's just where he works every day. <laughs> there's, uh, there's just a little place we'd buy food and, uh, and, and eat there. Uh, any more pictures? Oh, yeah. Man, I miss those guys. I've got to get back there. Those are those ones that were, that were saved on, on that, that first day uh, that we had, that we gave an invitation. Man, I want to go back. Um, Let's go to Hebrews 6. We, we have just a, a little bit more time here. Um, I want to show you what it is that I did working with them. This is the pattern that God gave me as I sought God's face, and I, I prayed fiercely, and I prayed earnestly for a long time leading up to this trip. And, and then while I was on the trip, every, every morning, every evening, I had intense, sweet times of prayer with the Lord uh, seeking his face on, on this. And this is, this is where he led me to work out of, was, was Hebrews 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation. So this is, this is beautiful. This is the foundation that needs to be laid. Anywhere that, that we want to start a church, anywhere that we want to build a body of Christ, there's a foundation that needs to be laid, and it's this. Repentance from dead works and a faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Once you've laid that foundation, then you can go to the principles of the doctrine of Christ that he says he's just laid uh, already uh, gone into in the first five uh, chapters of Hebrews. And then, then there's perfection, which that's, that's sanctification uh, and, and both 
earthly sanctification and the coming sanctification. That's all encapsulated in that. But, but that's kind of the, these, these levels that we ought to be leading people uh, into. So what I did was I worked to lay the foundation of these doctrines, and I preached hours. It's unbelievable, their attention span. Uh, I preached for hours on the doctrine, the foundation of repentance from dead works. And that, that's faith in, in, in religion or, or anything else, any other dead works, and of faith toward God. And I, and I preached for hours on, on the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands. Not many people preach on the laying of hands. That group of people might know more about the doctrine of laying on of hands than you guys do. We, we preached on it. We studied it. Um, the, and then faith toward God, the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And then I went into the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And we went a little bit into uh, perfection and into uh, the doctrine of, of sanctification before I left. And I taught them to meet together. I taught them to study God's word together. I taught them to pray together. I taught them how to pray. Oh, so important. I taught them how to pray. And, and now my hope is that, that they continue meeting together. They continue praying together. They continue studying the Word together. When I come back, I want to find them more mature. I want to find them more firmly grounded than when I left them. And then I want to add to that. And we're going we're to continue doing that. They're not abandoned. Uh, Brother Stensis and, and, and his guys, he has a Bible college. The men that were translating for me were from that Bible college. He sent out groups. I was wearing out his translators because they just were preaching for hours every day. So he would send out a pair of translators, and they'd be with me for, for four or five days, and then they would go back to their city, and a couple more would, would come out and translate. And uh, that was really an unexpected and, and blessed sort of side benefit was the ministry of, of discipleship and, and investing in those men. Because we're all spending the night in the same place. Uh, because the, the legalities, we were not allowed to sleep in, in the village there. So we had, to, we had to leave on a motorcycle every, every day and spend the night somewhere. And then every morning we'd come back again. Um, so the, the nights we would stay up late. And, and these, these Bible college students would, would ask me questions. And they found out quickly that I like questions. I like doctrine. I like to study. And, and I, I like to be able to give an answer. And, and so they would, they'd ask me questions, would stay up studying the Bible late into the night. I, I, about, I just about killed myself out there. <laughs> um, but I'm, 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 I'm built to, to handle that. That's what God made me for. Um, we had such a wonderful time. And these men, they're translating for me throughout the day. They're translating things they haven't even learned yet, some, some of the stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to go too deep. I'm just trying to lay foundations. But I'm working there out of Hebrews. And, and as, as we're doing this, we'd, we'd get back at the end of the day, and they would have translated something that they didn't really understand before. And they'd be like, okay, so now you said this, and I saw that it was in the Bible, but what does that mean about this, and what does that mean about that? And so we'd go deeper in, in, in the evenings and, and, and go into these things. And uh, one, one of just the most precious, special gifts that came out of this is, is one of these men, uh, his, his name is Sunnah. He was a Muslim. Uh, who got saved, joined the church, and he's in this Bible college, and he's translating for me. When he came out to me, he was, I think, in the third set of translators. When he, when he came out to me, the first set had gone back in and told him, oh, you're going to have such a wonderful time with Brother Dover. You're going to learn so much. You're going to study the Bible so much and, and learn so much. It's going to be such a good time. And he said, the man's been saved for three years. He says, I understand this. And he goes, he goes, man, I have read the Bible four times. I know things. 
<laughs> so they told him, you're going to learn a lot. He's like, man, I already know things. So then he comes out to, to work with me, and he lets me know that, that he told them <laughs> that. That, that. He's like, you know, don't expect to be like teaching him stuff. He already knows things. He's read the Bible four times. So I said, I said, man, that, that is wonderful. You've read the Bible four times. You've been saved three years. That's, that, that's encouraging, brother. That, that's wonderful. And uh, I just, I left it at that. But as, again, as I'm preaching and he's translating, okay, he's like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And, and so we were studying it at night. And one night I told him it was a little thing. It was, oh, uh, the death angel. I told him, I said, there's no such thing as the death angel in the Bible. And he goes, yes, there is. I said, no, it's not in the Bible. Look it up. Death angel, death angel, there's no such thing. It's the Lord himself who's passing over the people. He didn't send no death angel into there. There's no such thing as the death angel in the Bible. He goes, no, 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 no. I know it's in there. And he's, he's looking up. He's, he finally gets done. He goes, oh, apparently, I had been reading the Bible with me eyes closed. <laughs> That's deep. That'll preach. We've been reading the Bible with our eyes closed. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. It's in that we do. We read the Bible with our eyes closed if, if we don't ask him to, to open our eyes. Um, and, and several of those men that, that were translators, they have phones with WhatsApp. They can stay in touch with me. They've been, they've been sending me questions. I've been staying in touch with them and, and, uh, and working with them. The, the people out in uh, Bundi Masoli and Bundi Bujo, the, the Batois uh, pygmies, they, they don't have access to phones like that. I can't stay in direct contact with them. But these men are going back once a month and carrying messages from me, and, and Brother, Brother Stensis is going back once a month and, and preaching, and, uh, and they're, they're taking videos when they're there, and then when they get back to civilization, they, they, send it, uh, they send it to me and so I can see what's going on there. So I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm so excited with what God's doing there. So as we close this, I want to take you back to where we started. You remember plan A? Plan A was about taking the gospel to Batois and other tribes of pygmies deep in the Congo on the other side of the border, that have never heard the gospel because they're completely out of contact with civilization. And then I find that those who are out of the jungle, and they're not out of contact with civilization, but they are completely unevangelized. And that's heartbreaking. But now, the gospel has a foothold there. So what happened is plan A just got moved back. Like before we can even get to what I thought plan A was, we've got to actually establish believers among the pygmies. But the goal, and I've planted this idea in, in their minds from the first day, the goal is these people are going to get grounded and they're going to go. They, they don't know which ones of them are going yet. No, nobody has said like, yeah, I would do that. I mean, they, they just got saved. Um, but, but that idea, I plan I let them know how I got there. I let them know, look, I'm, I'm burdened for these that have never heard the gospel. And I found out you've never heard the gospel, and so I've got to bring the gospel to you. But somebody needs to take the gospel to them, too. And you're in a lot better shape to do it than I am, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. You can laugh at that. <laughs> um, Seriously, though, they're, they're, they're in a, a much better condition and much better shape and, and, a, much, and a much better position in, in pretty much any category you could come up with. Yes, I may have a deeper theological knowledge than they do, but how much theological knowledge do you need to go hacking through the jungle and, and tell the gospel to somebody who's never heard it before? 
for a church to eventually be established, yes, there must be depth. It shouldn't be shallow. There should be a depth of a foundation that is, that is laid. But just for that first contact and that first, first initially getting the gospel out to them, you don't, you don't have to be a doctorate, have a doctorate of theology to, to do that. And, and these, these people, oh, man, I'm so excited with what God's doing here because I went there with the goal of getting the gospel deep into the Congo, and I realized we're further from that goal than I thought. It's a longer road than I thought it was. And I kind of sat back and I went, oh, boy. <laughs> I thought we were just that far away. We're actually this far away. Okay, let's get to work. We're going to get going because we still need to get there. We still need to get the gospel in, into the, those other parts of, of the world. That's, that's, just, that's just one of the places, one of the areas, one of the groups of people that are, that are on my heart, that are in my heart, that, that I've had the privilege of going and, and sharing the gospel with. And there is so much more work that needs to be done. There's so many more places that need to be reached. I can't possibly reach them all. God must be calling other people to be willing to have no certain dwelling place. It's one thing to be a missionary that, that gets to leave America and go to one country and stay there and make a new home. Peru was home for us after 10 years, I promise you that. We had to leave home again to come and be based out of the States and, and really have no certain dwelling place and, and be willing to be mobile. I'm, my, my heart's cry, my prayer to God in, in missions when I'm working here in, in America is, is for God to wake up the churches and wake up the Bible colleges and, and help us to realize we've got to be preparing people that can do mobile missions because the slowest possible way to reach the unreached and uncontacted. The slowest possible way we could come up with is to send an entire family to spend an entire lifetime in one place. That's the slowest possible way we could have come up with. And the second slowest method would be to send an entire family to spend a decade in one place before being able to move on. That's the second slowest way to do it. It's better. But, oh, if we could be working simultaneously in multiple places, we could get the job done in our generation. We could. It could be done. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, oh God, I thank you for the Batois. God, I thank you for King and Zito and, and Julius and my friends and my brothers there. God, I thank you for Brother Matt Stensis and Freddie and Suna and Arnold and, and the, the guys that are continuing to work there. Lord, I thank you so much for them and I thank you, God, for giving me the story, for giving me the testimony that, that, that can be brought here and shared with these because, God, I know you've got a purpose in having these young people hear this story. Oh, God, I ask that you would glorify yourself, that you would get all of the glory out of this story and, and all, God, of the focus from these people here, from your people here, that their hearts would be drawn to you and surrendered and willing to go anywhere you want them to go. Lord, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.